from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. If you see me, I love pictures. I love talking to you. Please, please, I would be mad if you don't approach me. I love watching reality shows. It's kind of, I feel like I'm like Jane Goodall studying humans, like in in the woods. The hard thing is, is just saying, you know, having self-respect and having boundaries. And that's something that I just wished for myself so much that I think I really wanted these girls to get it at a younger age than I'm finally getting it. I'm Sarah Fenske. When the pandemic struck New York City, comedian Nikki Glaser did the same thing as a lot of millennials. She moved back in with her parents. In her case, that was in De Pere. But while that wasn't so surprising, perhaps this is. She's still here. Now, these days, she no longer lives in her parents' house. But she joins us today to discuss her wild and crazy St. Louis life, her hit HBO Max show, her upcoming St. Louis stand-up shows, and much more. So, Nikki Glaser, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm in a much different place, uh, both literally and figuratively, than I was last time we talked. That's right. You have left your parents' house. I have. I eventually moved out, not because um, I even wanted to. It just became... Uh, it, it became a hard question to answer when I got asked, you know, over and over, like, what are you living? Why are you living with your parents? You're 37. You're successful. What's going on? And and so I got rid of that therapist and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to dig into that. I uh, I just really liked living with them. But it's just it became um, it just was apparent to me, like I needed to, like, move out and baby bird needed to fly again because I've lived I've lived with them off and on throughout my career going back home. And I just really like them. And um, I feel a lot of love there and just like feel safe there and I I'm single and I I didn't I worked too hard in my life to really prepare myself for a situation where work stops and you have to slow down and be by yourself and um it finally in December I think I was like okay it's been 10 months of living with my parents in De Pere um in my childhood bedroom I should probably um I should probably find a way to, like, get out and go somewhere else and, like, but I didn't want to live alone because I don't do stand-up every night anymore. And so I, that always used to be distracting for me. If I lived alone, I would never really home. I was just out working and then I would get home and I would go to sleep and suddenly when I stopped doing stand-up every night, I was just really bored and lonely and just felt like get you know falling back into depression and I just that's why I moved home I was like I felt the pandemic happening I was like yeah. oh no my life is shutting down all the things that I used to distract myself from looking inward and being alone are going away I need to surround I need to be around people so I um and I didn't have any friends here to move in with or roommates that I felt comfortable with because all my friends are married or voted for Trump and I don't really talk to them anymore and so I um that's not a joke. So I uh, I called up my friend who lives in New York, who's my opener on the road, and he is, like, my best friend. He's also single, 41-year-old man living in um, New York. We used to hang out every day when I lived there. Yeah. And I was like, will you move to St. Louis and get a place with me, and we'll get a three-bedroom place. We'll turn one of the bedrooms into a podcasting studio. And I had a deal with iHeartRadio to start a podcast in the in 2021. 
And so I I got him a co-hosting job on it, and I was like, moved to St. Louis for this job, and now I live I live with him. And you persuaded him to yes. move to St. Louis. Was that a hard sell? It really, I just go, what do you have going on there? You're not doing anything. <laughs> I, Is that like, the argument we need to use to get people to move here? You just like, presented them that their life could be better somewhere else, and that, yeah, you just shame them about the life they're living now, and present them, you, have, you offer them a job, essentially. And that's really what it was about, I, I think. I mean, that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. So it, you offer him the job. He's now the co-host of your podcast. Yeah, we do it every day, Monday through Thursday from, um, yeah, like we wake up, we have breakfast, I walk the dog, and then we just go into a studio together and sit on these comfortable chairs and just chat. And it's, I kind of wanted it to be like a morning radio show. I, I grew up in comedy, going to different markets and um, going into morning radio shows. I love morning radio. I love feeling like you have friends to tune into and drop in on every day. So I wanted to create that in a podcast space. So, and I... Honestly, the the offer from iHeartRadio was like, we just want one podcast a week from you. And I was like, I want to do it four days a week for the same amount of money. And wow, uh, they wanted just an hour podcast once a week. And I do like an hour and a half podcast four times a week because I, I mean, as you can tell, I love talking. And <laughs> I um, you do love talking. And I don't go on stage anymore every night. So yeah. it's just an outlet for me that I used to take out on stage every You have night. all these thoughts. Yeah, I have a lot to work through. And so Andrew is here. <laughs> yes. You guys are, are having this podcast. And it sounds like you're having such a blast on this podcast. But I have to ask, is Andrew liking St. Louis? He loves it. It's so nice to, like, see him fall in love with it in a way that he's worried that I'm going to get a job in L.A. or a boyfriend or so, some reason that I would move to L.A. and and have to leave him here. And I'm like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Because what I learned is through the pandemic is that when those towns need me, New York or L.A., I can go. They'll fly mm-hmm. me there. If the job is worth doing, I'm in a good part. Not everyone can say that. I'm in a really cushy position in my career that if people want me to do a show there, they'll pay for me to stay, put me up and fly me out there. Um, whereas when I couldn't have done this when I was first coming up because you've got to get on stage every single night and you got to get those reps in. And now I'm in a, a more comfortable position where I'm very co- confident in, you know, who I am on stage. I've I've done the 10,000 hours, I think, <laughs> at this point. So I can take a break and I can step away and, and not have to live there. And so now I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to live here in St. Louis. I I don't crave being, um, you know, living in that Hollywood lifestyle and having famous friends and all the things that kind of you feel pressured to do going out every night. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure and a lot of like living on Instagram. In When you're in L.A. or New York, for me, it's just keeping up with everyone else and the fast yeah. pace. And, and here I just feel like, oh, I can, you know, eat dinner and then just mosey over to the couch and watch a show and then go to bed. It's not like, who are you going to go out with tonight? Where are you going to go up? What sets are you going to get? Running around. I mean, it's just... I'm so it, it timed out perfectly because I was really tired. You were ready for this change. Yeah, I really was. I'm glad the pandemic gave you this. It's this so is, great. Yeah, it worked out great for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, all joking aside, though, I mean, this does sound like such a great life change. I have to ask, though, I mean, you've got to be the most famous face in St. Louis right now. Like, can you go to Schnooks without just getting mobbed by, by men and by people who want your, uh, they want a selfie? <laughs> you know, the mask thing, I think I will say that that's why it does happen but it's really because like people in St. Louis don't care as much as you would think like I grew up d- loving celebrities like I always kind of think wow if 
if I saw Nikki Glaser like from TV it Schnooks, I would freak out. But people don't care as much as <laughs> I cared as I would always like you know really looked up to celebrities in a, in a sickening way, like in a you know projected a lot of perfection onto them. And I, it's almost like it's nice that people don't care. But there are times where I'm like. Wait, I just told you I'm, like, the host of, a, of F-Boy Island on HBO Max, which you've heard. You said all your friends watch it. Like, that's not interesting to you that you just happen to pick up me in an Uber? Like, they're just like, oh, you host that? And I'm like, yeah, why isn't that getting more of a response? Not that I think I deserve it, but just, but like, no, you do it just deserve show, it. it just, I mean, I don't, I didn't, you know, I don't, it's it's not like I, I did any good service for the world that I need to be, like, praised for it. But I just, I, I get surprised at how, like, just like, oh. You know, like pedestrian, uh, the responses I get are from St. Louisans. But I really do love, um, I'm only reaching this point in my career where I will would be recognizable since the pandemic, really. Like, a lot of the things that I shot that aired on TV aired during 2020. Your oh, special, that my went special, crazy. That was now like right, F-Boy Island. F-Boy Island I filmed, you know, last year, and that came out this summer. So I'm kind of becoming a little bit, as gross as it sounds, more famous as I live here. And I'm seeing, a, like, last night I went out for the first time socially to the Whiskey Ring on Cherokee and just met some friends outside on the patio. And it was my first time, honestly, going out socially in St. Louis. Like, I don't yeah. do anything. It's it's hard when you move here and you don't really have a group of friends. And I'm trying. But um, And last night I got recognized a couple times. And it felt nice. And then I got home and people were like, was that you, uh, like, DMing me? And I go, please say hi. I was with people that I like to feel cool around. <laughs> like, being recognized. I always tell people, and this just doesn't go for me. If you ever see a celebrity, b- bother them just very quickly. Like, th- just go, huge fan. And if they want to talk to you, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, thank you. And you'll know. You don't need to, like, ask them for a picture. But I, if you see me, I love pictures. I love talking to you. I, please, please. I will be mad if you don't approach me. because Wow, what an invitation to public radio listeners. I feel like that Venn <laughs> diagram of public radio listeners who love Nikki Glaser, they're going to be, like, huge fan in you all over the place. I get so sad when I find out people saw me and just were too scared or, like, socially awkward because yeah. I'm socially awkward, too. But I implore you to, like... You know, especially if if you like me, I will probably we would probably be friends. Like I'm not gonna treat you any differently than I would like you know someone I went to high school with. Like oh my god, especially if you listen to my podcast because then you really know me and I'll probably hug you and make you uncomfortable. Well, this is this is the <laughs> best invitation we've ever been able to give you, people listening to this show. I'm very excited. Nikki has made this offer. I'm gonna now bother you every time I see you. Get ready please, for it. Please, please go, will. Nikki. Can you guys believe this is Nikki Glazer? I mean, it happens a little here. In there and I get I mean that was always my dream like going to Kirkwood High School I was kind of a dork I always wanted to be popular I always was like man some it would be amazing someday to like have everyone in the room be talking about me that is not my goal anymore I want to make that clear like that was a sick goal of just wanting love from strangers which obviously led me to becoming a comedian every comedian's deeply insecure and didn't get yeah. enough love even though they I came from a loving family it just still wasn't enough and but now I've I like if I still wanted that I would live in LA or New York. Like I I appreciate when I meet people who appreciate what I do and I like socializing and talking as you can tell, but it's um that dream has come true of being recognizable and it's not I don't like the uh, I like still looking like crap when I walk around town and like and being so sometimes I get recognized and I look so different than I do on TV. I'll be wearing no makeup, my hair's a mess and people will go 
are you Nikki Glaser? And I'm like, how dare you think I'm Nikki Glaser? Because I look so bad that I'm like, you think this is what I look like? It is, but you, you're you not supposed to know that. So, um, yeah, I'm actually flattered when people don't recognize me because, yeah. it's It, it is a great compliment. Yes, that's, a, yes, that's a great way of saying you look days. wonderful on yes, TV. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, we're talking here to Nikki Glaser. And, Nikki, I cannot let this conversation get so far afield that I forget to talk to you about F-Boy Island. Yes, because I mean. I, doing my research, as I have to do in the public radio profession, I have been watching F-Boy Island. <laughs> and you are so funny in the show. I would say Thanks. to people who haven't seen this. This is like The Bachelor, except Nikki brings this smart, ironic twist to it that is just so fun oh to watch. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying that. I, yeah, it's always, it's, it, the show I was attracted to initially because I love shows, I love reality programming, and I know that a lot of people say, oh, it's fake. And I always say to those people, well, what do you watch? And they're like, oh, you know, scripted entertainment, like Breaking Bad and The Wire, like I'm into really good. It's like, well, that was all, those are scripts written by white men in Burbank for actors who don't aren't those people. That's the fakest thing I've ever heard. Reality programming, while the scenarios are fake, the people are real and the, I love watching reality shows. It's kind of, I feel like I'm like Jane Goodall studying humans like in the, in the woods and that's how I kind of went into this is I, I was a fan of the genre and especially it was called F-Boy Island. I walked into a show that that title grabbed me right away because I go, that has a, a sense of humor about itself. Mm-hmm. So I, not only is it a new show that I'm going to be brought in as a, a producer on so that I can kind of... You can shape g- it. Shape it and give it a voice. But I really wanted to be the voice of the person on the couch watching these shows going, this is ridiculous. What are they doing? And calling out the just absurdity of it all. and and act- But actually also being very invested the whole time. So I had to, I, I rode that line of like... Actually, really caring about the relationships that were happening on the show because although they happen in a pressure cooker on this island and they're not sustainable and the the emotions are real, you know, yeah. the, it's a prison experiment, you know, for the conditions are perfect to make people fall desperately in love and and no one's no one's that good of actors, you know, yeah. these people are they really and I got swept up in it. Like even I was scared that I was maybe going to have to fake some of that enthusiasm for it and boy did I not I had to pull back actually well and this is part of what I love about this is on this show there is the Jane Goodall aspect and I'm going to play a clip in just a moment so people can see what I mean but there's also you're you really seem like you're a big sister to these girls and you are trying to help them and you're trying to help the boys and and that's the clip I'll get to in a minute but with (laughs) these women I get the sense you're earnestly rooting for them to self-actualize and to understand their own worth yeah, and I mean, I really think it's me projecting because I I learned a lot from these girls, actually. I wanted them to be the woman that I want to be in relationships, which is so much easier to tell people and guide them to say, I- I'm great at giving advice, bad at following it, but I... Um, I wanted them to stand up to these guys that treated them wrong and to uh, not be scared to confront things that upset them because in the past in relationships for myself, I've been a complete pushover and just wanted so desperately to have a boyfriend or to be loved that I put up with so much because I was scared that if I said, I don't like when you do this thing, they'd go, okay, well, that's what I do and bye. And then I go, actually, it's fine. You can keep doing it. And I, and I was also scared of, especially these guys are pretty immature and they're used to getting really hot girls or whatever they want and they kind of they're they say stupid things so there was a part of me that was scared that if these guys got rejected or criticized in any way they would lash out in an ugly way at these girls which is another one of my fears that my therapist says 
you're scared that if you tell a guy you don't want to like kiss him on a first date, he's going to say you're ugly. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, this sounds like the fear of a 15 year old. And I'm like, yeah, because I think that's what that's the last that's where I got stunted in terms of like dating and fears. Like I, mm. I seriously always fear that uh, even on the show, I was scared to like roast these guys because I was scared they were going to be like, you're old. Like, oh. what are you doing here? And and I was it's just a I have a lot of um, I have a lot of issues when it comes to dating and I'm fascinated by what what women put up with uh, how, how women use sexuality to get a guy to like them when really that ends up being the thing that Doesn't makes work. the guy not like them even though it's just counterintuitive because it seems like that's all the guy wants and then you give it to them and then they don't want you anymore which has happened to me a million times until I figured out like oh I should probably stop doing that but the hard thing is is just saying you know having self-respect and having boundaries and that's something that I just wished for myself so much that I think I really wanted these girls to get it at a younger age than I'm finally getting it. And yeah, so I actually learned a lot about myself on the show and was able through watching these women get to tell these men like, I'm eliminating you this week because I don't know, you're not spending any time getting to know me. You only talk about yourself. Like saying that kind of stuff to guys instead of just being like, um, I just am not looking for a relationship. Lying, mm -hmm. telling, making a guy accountable. Um, and dealing it's so with, empowering. It's scary. To, it's so scary. But when I watched these girls do it, I was able to really start standing up for myself in relationships. I mean, there were texts I sent to men while I was doing the show that I wouldn't have sent had I not watched CJ, Sarah, and Nakia, like, you know, give these guys a take, like, just, you know, speak their truth to these guys instead of just um, either ghosting them or, or trying to cater to their egos and, and vice versa. I mean, the guys yeah. gave it back to the girls, too. Well, so I, I am so glad to hear that this has led to, to breakthroughs for you. I want to also talk a little bit about the counseling you do to the men. Oh, because, that was my most Yeah, th this is amazing. Moment. So you, these are these F-boys. You sent them to, quote, unquote, limbro. Yeah. This is where they tried to learn to become better men. I'm going to play just a clip from your F-boys to F-men support group. Thanks. Right here is the conch of confidentiality. If you are not holding the conch, please do not speak. Otherwise, you will be deemed a conch block. <laughs> oh my god. I take this off? Yeah, please. Yeah, me too. It's Feel free to take your shirts off at any time, you guys. I just want you to be comfortable and for me to be comfortable. Anthony, would you like to share? Tell us about your rock bottom. What were those withdrawals like? Um, yeah, so, you know, just not having sex and not being able to have sex when you want to. It was just stressful. I had to have sex, you know. Um, you feeling this? I'm have you sorry. been through those same withdrawals? Yeah, like crying because his words are so impactful. <laughs> I'd like us all to join hands. These days I just can't think straight. I got too many angles running around my brain. Grant me the humility. Humility. To listen to the women I'm not trying to bang. To listen to the women I'm not trying to bang. The courage to return a text to the ones I have. The courage to return a text to the ones I have. And the wisdom to wear a condom. And the wisdom to wear a condom. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and that, of course, is from the HBO Max show, F-Boy Island. We have here the host and executive producer here with us today, Nikki Glazer. I should mention, she's doing stand-up in St. Louis this weekend. We have all those details on our website. If you want to catch her live, that's stlonair.show. But you're trying to help these boys become yeah. men. Were you able to succeed in that? I honestly was. Like, those, those kind of moments that we had on the show were 
places where I could really play and 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 be this more comedic kind of sketchy character. Like those those moments we had there were were sketches that were pre-produced to be like, oh, let's just do this fake therapy. But I swear to you, like I. I'm always really good about getting people to talk about things they're not used to. Like, I get Uber drivers to tell me really personal things. And, and they don't, not, you know, not because I'm trying to. I just, uh, I share stuff so I think people feel comfortable sharing things with me. But there were moments in those sessions where the guys admitted to having sex addiction w- without really knowing that they were admitting yeah. it. And they didn't have the words, but they were describing. Yes, they were describing these, like, a- a- the just being addicted to the validation they got from sex, being addicted to just the feeling they got from sex, b- admitting that they now mistreat women and are scared of intimacy and and ghost women and sleep with them without following up because they've been hurt by a woman in the past or because their mother abandoned them. As, like, we were getting into those kinds of things pretty quickly and and. You know, the the producers kept having to steer me back to like, this is comedy. I'm like, no, we're getting somewhere. And so, I mean, I've remained friends with a lot of these guys. I saw two of them on the road this past weekend. And they just, um, it's just so nice as a host to to be friends with them and, and for them to have this trust in me. And that's what I really wanted was, because I do believe that F-boys can be redeemed. I think that what it takes is a woman with self-esteem. They need to just, when they are faced with a woman who will not put up with their antics and doesn't let them get away with that stuff and holds them accountable and they want to be with that woman, they will change. But it's, it is a matter of women. It's, you know, it's not all on us because obviously they have to do the work as well. And you can't force that if they're not in that place and you're not the right woman. I feel like so many women make that mistake. That's the difference. I I do believe that forcing and saying, well, I need you to do this. And if you don't do saying it like that is not going to get the results you want as opposed to, you know, I can't have sex with you because I get really attached with sex because, you know, my hormones are different than yours. And I found in the past that sex makes me um, get a little addicted to Someone. So I need to be very careful with that. And I just know myself. So I can't sleep with you until I, I have a commitment from you and know that this is long term. Now, that's a way of presenting the same thing of like, I want you to be my boyfriend, like shape up and like, you know, fly right or you're not going to get me. But in a way that's like about what you know about yourself and respecting mm-hmm. yourself. And I just found that so much of the time with men and especially these F boys, I mean, I was even... Like, yeah, I was even trying to get these F-boys to like me in ways that was, like, making me sick of, like, why do I care what Garrett thinks about me? But it's it really is about having self-esteem in the end. And I'm still working on it, and we'll see in season two if I if, if we've made any progress. Well, we are excited about season two. And Nikki Glazer, we are so excited that you were here with us today. It was just great to talk to you. Uh, thank you for joining us thank today. Thank you so much. It was so fun. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr. It was mixed and edited by Jane Mather Glass. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.